0: This is Law Bites, a podcast with Michael Geist.
1: As we begin with a multi-billion dollar deal that would merge two of the most powerful business families in Canada, Rogers Communications has agreed to buy its rival, Shaw Communications, and red flags are already being raised about what it could mean for consumers. The transaction is valued at $26 billion, including $6 billion in debt. Rogers and Shaw carved up Canada when it came to cable and internet service. Rogers operated in the east and Shaw in the west, but they have been fierce combatants in the wireless sector. Now Rogers is promising to invest $2.5 billion to build 5G networks in Western Canada, plus $1 billion to give rural, remote, and indigenous communities high-speed internet. It's also promising to create 3,000 jobs in Western Canada. Big money and big promises. None of it will happen unless the deal gets federal approval. And that will include explaining why less competition is good for consumers.
0: When the proposed Rogers-Shaw merger was announced last month, it immediately became a flashpoint for Canada's ongoing debate over wireless competition and pricing. While the companies promised big benefits, most consumers did indeed have a hard time reconciling how less competition would lead to anything other than higher prices. The merger review is likely to take a year, with government, the CRTC, and the Competition Bureau all having their say on the deal. Canada's politicians wasted little time in putting the proposed merger under the microscope as the Standing Committee on Industry, Science, and Technology launched hearings on the agreement. Rogers and Shaw kicked things off with their perspective, followed by several days of hearings with academics, competitors, and regulators. I was invited to appear before the committee and provide my take on the implications of the merger. This week's Law Bites podcast goes inside the virtual hearing room with my short opening statement, followed by clips of the Q&A with several members of Parliament. The hearing began with an invitation from Chair Sherry Romanato to provide opening thoughts for three minutes.
2: Professor Geist, you have the floor for three minutes.
0: Great, thank you very much, Chair, and thank you so much for the invitation and the opportunity to come back and appear before the committee. Uh, My name is your Michael Geist. I'm a law professor at the University of Ottawa, where I hold the Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law, and I'm a member of the Center for Law, Technology, and Society. I appear in a personal capacity representing only my own views. To the best of my recollection, a three-minute opening statement is the shortest I've experienced for a committee appearance. In this instance, however, I think it's appropriate, as it doesn't take much more than three minutes to understand what is at play and at stake with the proposed Roger Shaw merger. I'd like to make three points to start. First, and I think this is stating the obvious, the deal will result in higher prices and less competition in the Canadian wireless market. There's no need to overthink this. Removing a company that some have touted as the best chance of a viable national fourth carrier leaves some of Canada's biggest markets, notably Ontario, Alberta, and BC, without a much-needed competitor. While some seek to justify it or explain it away, the simple reality is that Canadians already pay some of the highest prices for wireless services in the world. If this merger is approved, the situation is likely to get worse. Indeed, when Rogers promises that it will not raise prices for Shaw Freedom Mobile customers for three years, it effectively signals that it will be raising them as soon as the clock runs out on that timeline. Second, this represents a major wireless policy failure. Successive governments have pledged to address high wireless costs, but have often instead taken half measures or even backtracked at opposition from the incumbent providers. The CRTC is little better, with the current leadership having dispensed with the prioritization of consumers. It's the CRTC that initially rejected mandated MVNOs, the CRTC that signaled it was supportive of increasing consumer broadband costs with new levies in its harnessing change report, and it's the CRTC that sparked a consumer group boycott of the development of an Internet code that was ostensibly designed to protect consumers. Third, what should the committee be recommending? The preferable choice is no merger, since it's likely to result in lost jobs, higher prices, and less competition. If approved with conditions, the grab bag of goodies proposed by Rogers is really just asking consumers to ultimately pay for rural and remote connectivity initiatives. We need that connectivity, but funding it through a harmful merger is not the right way to do it. Instead, the focus should be on competition, particularly wireless competition. For the purposes of this transaction, I think that means full divestiture of the wireless assets. More broadly, it means doubling down on policies designed to address wireless competition, in particular, support for mandated MVNOs that would help change the competitive landscape and efforts to increase foreign entrance into the marketplace. I look forward to your questions. Once the Q&A began, Liberal MP Ali Ehasi asked about two points from my opening remarks. Divestiture of the wireless assets and confidence in the CRTC.
3: If I could start off with uh, Professor Geist, um, thank you for your remarks. I think it's important in particular uh, to highlight your concern that uh, that a uh, merger would have adverse uh, impact on competition, in particular in uh, Ontario, Alberta, and B.C. Now, um, I wanted to go to the third recommendation you made uh, where you touched on the issue of divestiture. Uh, If you were holding the pen um, and you could compel uh, Rogers and Shaw uh, to divest certain assets, what would those
0: assets be? Yeah. Uh, you know, thanks for the question, and thanks again for the invitation. Uh, I mean, I think the starting point is to recognize the wireless assets have to go, uh, and one can understand why there may still be significant value for those two companies uh, on the cable side, and of course the kind of competition that exists, given as uh, Professor Winseck noted, a uh, divided divided up market dating back now decades um, has less implications, it seems to me, for the everyday consumer. Uh, Although it may have some broader market impact. But on the wireless side, the impact is obvious. And so full divestiture of the wireless assets to find some mechanism to maintain at least the prospect of a fourth national player, I think, has to be the starting point.
3: Uh, Thank you for that. Now, uh, my second question for you uh, is uh, your second recommendation touched very much on uh, the failings of the CRTC. Um, I was wondering, after the uh, governor and council order in 2019, uh, where the CRTC was ordered to consider uh, consumer interests, do you think that's going to make a difference? A difference is that going to be sufficient uh, to compel CRTC to really put that at the center of uh, of uh, their consideration
0: of this merger? I, well, I would. I wish I could say the answer is yes, but I'm. I have significant doubts. To be candid, I don't believe, and with all respect to current chair of the CRTC, that uh, what we've seen over the last number of years is a prioritization of consumers. And I identified several examples of how that is. I think the GIC that we saw go back also. I mean, certainly referenced consumers, but it referenced other factors as well. And uh, I have some concerns that the way the CRTC is going to interpret that is not to put consumers at the center of, of its policy in the same way that it hasn't put consumers at the center of its policy on a number of different issues, including even ones that were designed specifically to address consumer concerns. NDP MP Brian Massey, a longstanding member of the committee, asked about the impact of divestiture.
4: Thank you for the uh, the quick three minutes. That was my idea to get a lot of witnesses in here saying and blame me, um, but I'm also reached the conclusion early in this discussion that Eliminating any one of the four players um, is not good public policy. Um, in fact, I have the, uh, the, the, the the I guess, the point here of defending the Titanic in terms of the current system, because all I can see is it getting worse by um, what's taking place here. I'm going to go on my first question to Mr. Geis. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about how we would almost like be gerrymandering the assets of Shaw here with peeling off Freedom Mobile and then expecting it to be a winner in the market. It seems like a big gamble for me, um, as opposed to where it currently resides a couple of different ways and revenue streams. And if we just kind of siphoned off one part of it, um, I, I don't know what would be left. And you know, it just seems like an, an, a bad approach, in, in my opinion, to trying to provide more
0: competition. I Well, you know, I started with the recommendation that, that this not go ahead. And I think you're right that, you know, best case quite frankly if our concern is competition if our concern is ensuring a viable fourth player in all markets and preferably even a national player that frankly this merger simply wouldn't go through we see from the perspective of many consumers bundled type offerings where there's an expectation that they're going to buy more than just a wireless service they'll buy multiple services is is a pretty accepted part for a lot of consumers and peeling it off into a wireless only play and a smaller play at that at that point in time present some significant challenges in the marketplace i don't think there's any doubt i mean i guess the the notion of full divestiture is if if this does go ahead then the question was well what do we do and that seemed to me the best available approach but i don't disagree i think uh, it still leaves us as a with a setback with respect to competition in canada since my comments raised the potential of MVNOs to support competition, Liberal MP Nate Erskine-Smith asked for further comments on that policy issue.
5: Mr. Geist, you spoken also about the need for MVNOs. I, I agree. I, I wonder what you think about the Competition Bureau's view. In a submission to this here they emphasized the need for greater competition, emphasized a role for MVNOs, but it was almost like a... A very targeted role to better facilitate or better create and and allow for facilities-based competitors to get a foothold and to really grow facilities-based competition, pointing to Eastlink and Freedom in particular. Do, do you think MVNOs should be used in such a targeted way, or should be used more expansively?
0: I think there's room to be more expansive. When I mentioned in my opening remarks, sort of the half measures, uh, this, this, I think the the approach we've seen on MVNOs is is reflective of that, where the starting position, of course, was no, because there's this tendency, seemingly never to allow for these new forms of competition. Once uh, we we started to see uh, continually the experience of the high pricing in Canada, there was at least a, an acknowledgement that perhaps this might offer up uh, some possibility. But again, uh, doing so in a very in a in a slow way, and we see that coming out of the regulator. And we saw uh, see, see as well. Um, this is a debate that's been ongoing now for so many years, and. It seems pretty clear that what we've done to date hasn't worked, and we need to be far more aggressive from a policy perspective.
5: Can I ask on that? The debate going on for years. It, it, you follow this debate certainly more than I have, and when we look at MVNOs delivering lower prices, that certainly to me matters a great deal. The biggest digital divide is is one on income in the, in this country. You'll you'll hear my four year old in the background. I apologize. Uh, when it comes to other uh, the other digital divide, though, the one that Mr. Wood is most concerned about and right, rightfully concerned, we want we want companies to build. And there's actually, there is, and the Competition Bureau notes this, the CRDCs noted this, There, there is a challenge here. We're competing interests. The, the more we allow MVNOs, potentially the big free tell us, well, we're not going to build as much. Has there been any conversation in this space about where companies build that for a certain period of time, they have a monopoly over that build, but then it is opened up after a period? In other legal spaces, we have this, this framework. Has this been part of the debate?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's been a recognition that the company's given a choice up and down on the urban areas where they're already serving as opposed to going to the rural and remote communities. Um, and so they seem to almost hold out for these kinds of situations. We saw it in Manitoba, we're seeing it now to hold out the kind of goodies to say, hey, if only you approve this, then we'll really go ahead into these communities. It has that policy, that strategy hasn't worked. And I, you know, I think my view is that it's really been the role of governments to do a better job of saying we've got to invest in these communities if the companies aren't willing to do so, and use a more open approach uh, as part of that. Conservative MP Pierre Polyev used his entire time allotment to ask me questions focused on market issues, including the potential and implications of foreign investment.
2: Dr. Geist, um, you said that in the event that this merger goes ahead, that the um, wireless assets of shaw would have to be spun off uh, and that there would need to be policy changes to invite uh, more foreign competition into the canadian marketplace could you describe mechanically what you mean by that what what would be if you had to write out kind of an ikea uh instruction manual for us what would it say
0: well, let's focus on the on the on the foreign ownership issue. and I think Professor Winsack rightly noted that we've we've seen this movie before, and uh, it doesn't end well, and certainly the Verizon uh, experience is suggestive of that. I think the starting point, quite frankly, is to remove really all barriers, open the market up to to foreign entrance. I'm not sure that that's going to um, result in a fundamental change. Many of the you know, when Verizon, as Dwayne said, kicked the tires on Canada, They saw enormous opposition from the big three and just decided Canada wasn't worth their while. There were other places where they could make money without having to fight three large incumbents. Uh, But opening up the market fully so that a company could think about um, entering in potentially not just with those assets, but potentially some of the larger assets as well, might provide at least someone with, uh, with the perspective that this is an attractive enough market. And from a consumer perspective, bringing in that kind of pricing power, that sort of roaming ability on a global level uh, opens the door, I think, to opportunities that Canadians don't experience, but uh, consumers in many other countries do. What, uh, but what regulatory
2: changes would that opening up require?
0: Remove the ca- well, it would. In in this situation, it would certainly re- require removing any sort of of cap which we have right now. Um, you can grow into a larger foreign-owned entity. Uh, but you can't take over a a Canadian entity above a certain threshold. We could remove those thresholds. We would also have to think about whether or not we want to maintain the current restrictions on broadcast ownership, because, of course, we've seen some of the largest companies also own large broadcast assets. And while the Bill C-10 actually does remove some of the references to Canadian ownership, so in some way the government may be already moving a little bit in that direction, perhaps inadvertently, uh, that's certainly, I think, part of the equation, and perhaps it's part of a broader discussion as to our comfort level with foreign ownership of broadcast assets. But if the issue or the concern comes around airing Canadian content and some other regulatory obligations, I honestly don't right. see why those couldn't apply to foreign-owned companies in the same way they, as they apply to Canadian-owned ones. Right. Cad if
2: at the condition for approval were that all um, overlapping services of Rogers and Shaw be
0: spun off. I think that's the most palatable answer absent, you know, not absent, uh, absent saying uh, no to the merger altogether. And I think, you know, there are uh, good reasons for still saying no Shaw is a, is a viable innovative competitor as we've already heard. And so taking, them out of the market in this space is, I think, a loss ultimately for consumers. Um, but if for legal reasons or other reasons, the decision is made that it's going to go ahead, that is the best available.
2: alternative. But what would be the advantage? Like, what would be, uh, you, you, you seem to say that even if the wireless and other uh, overlapping services are spun off, the merger still would be a net negative. Why is that? Why, why, why exactly would that be the uh, negative? Again, if, if you're removing freedom, other assets that there for which there is competition, you're giving it to some other third provider through an, uh, an auction or something. What,
0: why wouldn't that be just as good? Well, then I suppose it comes down. I think you're injecting a fair amount of uncertainty into the marketplace as we have to to sort of know the the who really matters in this case. Um, if it's a who that's comparable to a Shaw that can offer up some of the bundled services, can compete economically with some of the larger players, um, and so that it's a fairly seamless transition, well, then the, the response might be that, that, is a, that that's about as good as we're going to get, and there probably isn't. There are fewer uh, negative implications. If, and we I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, if it's just another standalone player hearkening back to the days of wind, I think that is a setback, because these assets are stronger in the marketplace from a competitive perspective with a stronger player behind them. Do I have any more time left, Madam Chair? 17 seconds.
2: All right. Um, Do you see any uh, prospect for alternative uh, technologies to replace uh, what we have now as opposed
0: to just uh, changing the regulatory model? I think technology is always going to continue to adapt and we'll see satellite and some other players come into the marketplace. But uh, at its heart for so many consumers for the foreseeable future, these wireless assets are absolutely essential from a communications perspective. The hearing concluded with one last question from MP Massey, who wanted to talk about the implications of approving the deal for the future of wireless in Canada.
4: Mr. Geist, i go, uh, Professor Geist, go to you. Um, so if we say no to this merger right now, um, there's going to be a lot of the you know, suggestions about the big fallout of um, not doing this. What do you think is you know going to take place next? And I know it's a big crystal balling in that, but we've seen Rogers make a play already on Kojiko, a, a hostile takeover. We've seen now this as is, is really a shift in our market and consolidate versus build. And should our public policy be really pushing back and saying, no, we need to be building, not consolidating?
0: Well, it's a, it's a great question. I think uh, Ben early referenced uh, the prospect that SaskTel would be next on the shopping list for some of the players uh, if this goes ahead. I think this is, I think in some ways, the, the Manitoba deal set this up. It, it sent the message that it was possible to get these deals through as long as you provided a grab bag of goodies and just say, hey, look at all the nice things you're going to get if you pass this. Uh, but then we do see that there is a cost to be paid. We've seen it in terms of the kind of innovation and pricing that takes place in that market. If the signal coming out of this is that it's that this goes ahead, then I think it becomes open season for some of those remaining players. If we stop it here, I think that it reaffirms that strong signal that consumers and competition are the policy priority in the country. Um, And as long as we twin it with things like MVNOs, as we've been hearing about, there is at least the prospect of better competition and better pricing in the country. That's the Law Bites podcast for this week. If you have comments, suggestions, or other feedback, write to LawBites at P.O. Box.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at LawBitesPod or Michael Geist at mgeist. You can download the latest episodes from my website at MichaelGeist.ca or subscribe via RSS at Apple Podcast, Google, or Spotify. The Law Bites podcast is produced by Gerardo LeBron Leboy.